Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a Tuesday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO. And 106.3 on the FM dial is Trent Condon and Ken Miller. Andrew Downs helping us out back at 2141 Grand as Trent and I broadcast live from the LifeServe Blood Center uh, blood donation day down here at Principal Park. What color do you bleed? Uh, we will be here right up until noon. There are no appointments available here. There's Danielle West speaking of LifeServe Blood Center. But there is availability here throughout the morning, actually throughout the early afternoon until 2 o'clock. Uh, if you're so inclined, 431 East Locust Street uh, is the address in Des Moines. And you can uh, check them out online, lifeservebloodcenter.org. You can reach out the 800 number um, because they are full down here. We're grateful to all of those folks. A lot of our listeners, uh, KXNO listeners, signed up to donate the uh, gift of life here today. Um, and grateful that they did. Uh, BMW Des Moines guest list looks like this. At the bottom of the hour, Michael Swain from 24-7 Sports will join us from the Iowa State perspective. He'll recap you and I and Iowa State. John Miller, HawkeyePodcast.com. He'll join us at 1045. Scott Dockerman had to uh, push back to Wednesday, so we'll get Doc tomorrow. But grateful to have John Miller in here. Worked with John for a long time at KXNO. And uh, we will get him at about oh, 10.45-ish. Just because it's football season doesn't mean we're going to um, forget about baseball. Won't do that. Matt Snyder from CBSSports.com. He's joined us every Monday at 11.05 or thereabouts. And he'll join us for a few minutes today uh, to keep us up to speed on baseball. Uh, and then at 11.20-ish, Bama Bob Trent and I will go around college football from a national perspective recapping a pretty fun weekend of week number one. You know, as much as anything, good to see you, brother. You too. We're uh, next to each other. We are, instead of being, what, I don't know, 30 feet apart, right. whatever it is, with a big sheet of glass between us, this is a rarity indeed. As much as um, it was just great to see, the pomp and circumstance that makes college football what it is, mm-hmm. it was on full display. Lane Stadium on Friday night, Inner Sandman, I mean, God, goosebumps. Jump around mm-hmm. uh, in Camp Randall, just goosebumps, right? As much as we miss football, we had it to an extent last year. The fans just make this what it is. It takes it to another level. And being able to walk into Kinnick, being there for everything, tailgating, seeing people that I haven't seen in almost two years, right. seeing you know, the people that we've tailgated now next to for ever since Olive Court closed. So we're going on uh, 15 years, I guess, of our spot that we've been at and Seeing those people that you don't know, but you know them because they tailgate sure. right and bias, and right. seeing the people 
in our seats that we've sat in now for the same amount of time, 15 years, and seeing the people that have always been around us, and you walk in, and hey, how's it going, and how's the grandkids, how the kids, you know, whatever it is. Like you never left. Yeah, the community aspect of it, and sports in general, that's what makes it so important, but college football, it is a completely different level, and those people that you know, and you get to know, and and walking around, and being able to get a cold beer inside of Kinnick Stadium for the first time, legally, or uh, not sneaking it, and holding it underneath, or run to the john and slugging one down in there none of that it was incredible it really was just one of those days coupled with the way that iowa played and getting out to the 14 nothing lead right away it was perfect it, it was a perfect saturday for college football it was overcast got a little rain and then all of a sudden the, the skies opened up and it was sunny and beautiful and what a fun weekend it was thank goodness for btn those btn and 60s i felt like i saw every single big 10 game and i was able to do each of them in 45 minutes. They do it incredibly well. I absolutely love those things. Watch Maryland, West Virginia. Went mm-hmm. back and watched Michigan State, Northwestern. Watched the end of that game when I got home Friday night. But just on and on and on. It was, I love the way that they set that up. And now every conference, please do the same thing. Yeah, it would certainly be nice, Trent. It really would. I'm with you on BTN and this, uh, the uh, wraparound or the 60-minute recap of the game. Well, we've got some recaps. We've got some overreactions I'm assuming we'll get to here uh, coming up. What we saw at UNI and Iowa State, what you saw in person at Kinnick Stadium, uh, jumping out to that 14 nothing lead as quickly as they did. Um, it really took all of the, uh, I don't know, I, I shouldn't say that. There, were, there was a little bit of drama in there, but when they jumped out the way they did, Trent, this Hawkeye defense, that, 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 my biggest takeaway from the, from the entire weekend of the locals, and I don't want to slight Northern Iowa sure. in this discussion either because they deserve a ton of credit. But my takeaway from the weekend was we thought Iowa's back seven was going to be elite, college football elite yes. level, and they are. But I thought that the front four was better than advertised, maybe more depth than we thought was going to be there. Biggest takeaway, Michael Penix was the preseason quarterback in the Big Ten. Friend, he looked awful. He looked scared. He did. And and you know what? I don't blame him in a lot of right, right. Because those Seth Benson was out of his mind. That might be the best game. And he's had some moments, don't get me wrong. Campbell gets the eyeballs. But Benson, my God, he was good. Yeah, moving him outside. And I know there were some concerns. Oh, boy. You know, you go from middle linebacker. Does he have the speed, the athleticism to That's be that right. guy? Yes. Yes, yes, he does. Sideline to sideline. Really out of the linebacking crew, I thought Campbell was the most disappointing of the three guys because when Jacobs was in there, he was really, really good. He's really good. What's his story? So he was a guy that, low four-star guy, really highly regarded, but liked Iowa. Ohio State wasn't going to offer. He's an Ohio kid. Okay. And then Ohio State offered late, and it was going down to signing day back and forth, and he decided, you know what, I'm not going to stay home. I'm going to go with the guys that have – been recruiting me the whole time, yeah. and he stayed with Iowa. But you can see why that guy also got an Ohio State offer because sure. he looks like an Ohio State dude out there. <sighs> Gained a lot of weight. I think he's picked up 25 pounds, something like that, since he's got on campus. Sideline to sideline, those three linebackers cover up a lot. Belton is absolutely mm-hmm. everywhere. And the cornerbacks, much maligned at times, Riley Moss, and go back to the Purdue games and things like that. Remember when Riley Moss, when he was a freshman, and uh, they wanted him out of the lineup, should never see the field uh-huh. again. Dot, dot, Julius dot. Brent should be the guy. How can you not play this four-star? Right. He was starting in Kansas State and looked pretty good in his own right. But, you know, you go through and you look at this. Phil Parker, 
Guy knows a little something about putting the Benza backs together, doesn't Trent, he? Trenton, this is complete. We'll get to this, I'm sure, throughout the entire week. That This is my biggest takeaway going into Cyhawk is how's Iowa State going to score? Wow, yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean the, the way that this defense plays. Look, I know they'll score. Right, right yeah. <laughs> but I just um, – more about that. So, so the Iowa State game. Mm-hmm. Again, I want to take nothing away from you and I. You and I could play their you-know-what's off. We, we were told – multiple people, multiple people told us – Essentially the same thing leading into the game. Iowa State's got an opportunity. They're going to keep the foot on the gas. Oh, yes. They are not going to let up. They want to make a statement in this football game. Heard it over and over and over. Now we're hearing, oh, it's just vanilla. Right. I mean, you can't have it both ways. Absolutely. So they, I, I get that in, in your own mind, the fan base is changing what they thought they mm-hmm. saw and what they expected to see. But I thought pretty play a good game. Here's the biggest issue with Iowa State's offense. Who's wide receiver two? Who is WR two? I mean, I think they wanted to be Milton, and he caught, what, two or three balls? Mm-hmm. But Hutchinson, I don't think the tight ends caught a pass. No. Uh, we know Kohler didn't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think Chase Allen caught a pass. And Dean was in there mostly as a blocker. That's it. They are going, they being opposing defenses, are going to take Brees Hall away and see if Purdy can beat him through the air. Now, he's good enough to. But they only have one guy, and that's Hutchinson. Mm-hmm. One of those kids has to finally step up. Is it Wilson? Is it Shaw? Is it Skates? Milton, um, he's got some speed. But one of those tall receivers has to take a step and do so quickly. The development of the offensive line, and this is a concern I brought up at one point. I, I truly believe that Brees Hall covered up what was an improving offensive line but never one of the best offensive lines in the country. When I saw the Phil Steele had him in the top 10, and you go through and the Joe Moore award list and and Mm -hmm. the watch list and those kind of things, you look at those pieces, and Sean Foster throughout his career, think of, I think we can all come up with moments where Sean Foster didn't look good. And though he's better than he was early in his career, he's still not elite. We're not talking about an elite group of offensive linemen, and because of that, if Brees Hall is nicked up, and that's the talk right now, well, Matt Campbell said that yeah. last night on his show, and that's another thing. When have you ever heard Campbell come for be forthright with an injury? Right, at all. I mean, how long did it take Tariq Milton last year? Well, day-to-day. Day-to-day. Right. We all are. Mm-hmm. We're all day-to-day. That, that's the part where this Iowa State team, and you're exactly right, we were told by so many people that are inside the program that know what practices are like. This goes back to spring. We're not starting slow. I'm sick of these Septembers. Right. This is the rallying cry yep. in the spring. It's going to be different this year. August. August camp starts, exact same thing. We're not starting slow. How many questions did Campbell get at Big 12 Media Day about the slow starts? Not just from Iowa State media, from all the Big 12 media because it's a narrative. And what do we see? The exact same thing. The exact same team that we've seen in September. Did we? I know we've had this conversation before. Where we go through the summer and we get excited about Iowa State and we elevate what they are. And I know this happened also on the national level, but just here locally. And there were times that we said, we're not doing it again. <laughs> this is still a team that went 9-3 and three last year. This is still a team that lost by 17 to a Sunbelt team. Still a team that beat Oregon, who was 4-2. Mm-hmm. That, that's, when we're hanging all this together on them, the Oklahoma team that they beat at the beginning of the year was not the same that the one that was at the end of the season. And on and on and on. Did we do it again? Did we fall to the trappings of, we know all the guys, we get excited, we get enamored, and they're a good team, but they're not an elite team. 
I, I can't put them in that class, Trent. I really can't. And I thought that they were on the cusp of it. And I think the national media felt the same way. They were preseason top 10 for crying out loud. And they came out and they were anything but. Look, you and I got the ball and they're driving down the field. They're driving down the field at the end of the game. You can't tell me you're sitting in Jack Trice and you're not thinking, here we go again. You had that, hat, that thought had to cross your mind at some point. Give you and I a boatload of credit. Oh, yes. This was, a, this was a fun football team, a motivated football team. A football team, quite frankly, Trent, is night and day between the one we saw in March and mm-hmm. April. I mean, that team had I, – I thought that they were going to get run out of Jack Trice. Thinking back to what we saw during the, um, during the spring this year, this team's not going to be able to compete with Iowa State, but my God, did they ever – um, and, and all facets of the game, quite frankly. Defensively, well, you see this team returns 11 starters. They're at the upper echelon of college football at the FCS level of defenses. Those dudes can play. They fly to the football. They're defensive front with Brinkman up there and on and on and on. They just have dudes all over the field. Well, Brown was the kid that got my attention. Yes. My God, he was everywhere. They're still limited offensively. And, you yeah. know, when you, when you look at you and I, the question becomes with them now in Farley in year 21. Can they win a national championship? Can they finally break through there? I still don't see that, but they're going to be in every single game. That team is going to have a shot every single time out because of what they pack on that side of the football. they got some dudes at receiver. Yep. McShane, uh, Hampton, I, I thought looked really good. Offensive line still needs to get better. They yeah, got, but they adjusted, Trent. You go back did. to the first two plays of that game, Iowa State was in the backfield. Mm-hmm. Will McDonald was, I mean, they, he was unblockable. But then after that, he kind of went away in this football game. They made incredible adjustments. That was in my notes. McDonald, where did he go? Where did he go? And that's another thing we talked about with him. As talented of a next-level player that Iowa State has on that roster is Will McDonald. He is built like an NFL defensive lineman. He has the speed. He has the power. But the question always was, because he didn't have to do it his first two years, is he a three-down player? What we saw on Saturday looked like, okay, he can get to the backfield still. We know that. But is he a guy that is going to be able to go out there and, and be able to be competitive for 70 snaps a game? I'm not exactly sure. I'm not sure either. What I, did, what I am sure I saw was far pursuant to Iowa State's defense. Jake Hummel played as well as I've ever seen him play. Yes. He was all over the football field. My God, he was good. Um, their linebacker crew is Yeah, great. they are. Now, Vance got dinged up. I'm, well, I'm sure that Campbell will um, be, be very forthcoming when he meets the media here at, uh, at noon or whatever it is regarding his injury. I don't think he got back into the football game. Um, Secondary-wise, I think they're fine. That's a good defense, but it's the offense. And you're right. We um, overvalued maybe at least for one game as we overreact here, the offensive line. Brees Hall looked tentative at times, and I know that's his style of running a lot of times, but this was a different Brees Hall. Campbell said yes last night on the coach's show, to your point, that he said he was banged up. Well, um, I'll take his word for it. We never hear that from him, but, man, they need more out of him. And if they can't find a second-wide receiver, a legit second-wide receiver, Mm -hmm. Hutchinson's a terrific player. Kohler would help being back on the football field in a major, major way um, because they – Chase Allen didn't catch a ball. That didn't catch a ball. I think Purdy threw to him once. Now, conversely, on the other side of the state, Petrus loves his tight end. Yes. Petrus is, I mean, he's looking for Laporta. When things go awry, that's his first look. So let me get your take on Petrus. Um, I'm going to hold withhold judge. It wasn't great. No. I mean, you can't miss that throw to Tracy. Mm-hmm. Smith Marset was open by 15 yards. There was, an, uh, there was a few. Smith Marset. Uh, uh, I beg your pardon. Right. Um, 
there was a couple of there was a couple of times he missed open receivers that he shouldn't miss. There was a couple of times he didn't force the ball, but there was a narrow window there. No separation. You were in the build, you were in the building. Mm-hmm. What did you see? I saw a quarterback that though was better than the guy we saw last October. Yeah. He still has limitations. Mm-hmm. He's not great. And now you're asking him as we get ready for week two to go on the road for the first time in a real road environment. Yep. He's and never I, done that before. And I've never seen – the pitter pad is still there. The yes. happy feet when they don't need to be there. The flushing out of the pocket when you need to stand tall. You need to step up. And he does not climb the pocket well. That is something that has always been an issue for him and really Iowa quarterbacks in general in the O'Keefe era. Climbing the pocket outside of a Drew Tate – they're just not good at it, and Petra still really, really struggles in that aspect. There were drops, mm-hmm. four, but more than anything, those wide receivers are not good. Yeah. It's not a good wide receiver mm-hmm. group. Tyrone Tracy is a nice piece, mm-hmm. but when that's your one, you're in trouble. When Reganey's your two, yep. you're in trouble. And Jackson Ritter now is your three, mm. you're in big trouble. That wide receiver group is not very good. Separation is going to be difficult. And the offensive line, I didn't think, played great by any means. They well, had to the, seal early. The interior of the offensive line yes. did. I mean, certainly the left, well, we, we know Linderbaum, uh, and the left guard was good. Right side of the offensive line was See, I thought DeYoung was good. And he, was, he played right tackle most of the game, I think. Who was it that came in? Inns came in, I think, for him later on in the second half and played some right tackle for him. I thought DeYoung was pretty good, but overall, Linderbaum, that might have been his worst game as a Hawkeye. Really? I thought he, re- especially early in the game, he really struggled at some things. Now, on the quarterback draw, where the hell did that come from with Spencer Petras, Good by the way? It, it was, and a lot more athleticism than I yeah. anticipated to see. But outside of that, where he got off two guys and just absolutely demolished and took a helmet to the thigh as he was going into the end zone and was down, and that was a scary moment. Mm-hmm. Everyone holding their breath inside of Kinnick there. Yeah, including Petras, who just scored, and he was, the celebration was short-lived. Good news is it's Tyler Lindebaum. He's going to be okay. Right. And if that's his best... His worst game of the year, all right, you're going to be in really good shape because you know what you're going to get out of him. I do also wonder if it was a little bit new guys around him. Maybe. Trying to mm-hmm. help out a little bit too Play much. Too many positions. Yes, yeah. Yep. yeah. Helping everybody instead of just doing your job along with it. So I think that could be a piece there, but I didn't think Linderbaum played great. Britt was pretty good. DeYoung was pretty good. Those were the guys that I st- I walked away when I watched it a second time saying those would be the three that I'd probably give a check to and say, all right, those guys are going to be all right. Uh, you know what else is going to be all right? Uh, Shudek. Yes. Um, he passed his first test. The end of the first half. Yeah. <laughs> He'll I mean, go. It's never going to end. Yes. Time on, time on. Um, yeah, I thought it was never going to end. Um, the start, though, I mean, I, I got to think that Kenny came across on TV. It was just bonkers. It was. It was. Just all that euphoria, mm-hmm. just breaking through, you're waiting, the anticipation, a good team coming in, and then it was just like old times. And from, I mean, the Goodson touchdown obviously was nuts, but then when Moss gets that right place, right time kind of thing and, and takes a pick six, you have 14, and just from there, it was an onslaught. And it really felt like they were playing Central Michigan after that. It just, all right, they're going to win, and yeah, let's have I'll go grab another beer. Right. and It was that kind of environment because Indiana didn't look like they had a clue. No, uh, Trent, uh, they didn't. Uh, this this was a team that some thought would challenge Ohio State in the East. This might be the team. Look, there's, there's so many. 
overreactions and you want to make adjustments to it. Look, I thought Washington was going to win the Pac-12. Montana beat them. Right. Right. I mean, good gosh. Uh, that, that was, they scored on the opening drive. And that was it. And 12 straight that drives. That was it. No points. Who, what team did you see this weekend that's better than you thought? Alabama. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's stupid, right? Right. You lose basically your whole offensive line, your whole mm-hmm. defensive line. You have a new quarterback. And they just it doesn't matter. dominate. Yep. It is, it's another level. Look at Clemson. Clemson that returns some dudes, yeah. have a quarterback you That's feel, played. and you just, you don't reload in college Clemson football the way they Travis do. Clemson Travis as much as anything. That's a good call. I think. Yeah. Um, look, they miss Trevor Lawrence. I get that. Yeah, yeah. But uh, not having a running back there. I'll tell you, Wisconsin, even though they got beat, I, I like this Wisconsin team. You know, I saw the, on, on Friday night that I was mildly impressed with, and I picked him in. I made him my pick, uh, Michigan State. Oh, yeah. That, that quarterback, what's his name? Thorpe or Thorn or. He was okay. Thorn, yeah. Thorn, yeah. He was pretty good, in, in fact. But it was Walker, the transfer no, from the Wake running Forest. Back. Yeah, the Wake Forest running two, back. 264. Was, they couldn't catch him. Yeah. Couldn't catch him, couldn't tackle him. He was good. Um, and that's one thing we talked about with Northwestern. When they're good, they're really good. Mm-hmm. When they're bad, they're really bad. Mm-hmm. They're really bad. I think so. Yeah, I, I think they are. What, they had three missed field goals? A bunch. They drove inside the 30 plenty of times, so they moved the football better than I anticipated, certainly, than they were going to. Maybe they're not going to be awful. They're not going to be 3-9 and nine bad, but this is more of a 6-6 six and six type of team. Yep. Ellinger in the West. It, Iowa, clear favorite now in the West? Games in Madison. Games in Madison. They already got um, one less on the ledger. No, I know, I know, I know. But if it's a seven and two tiebreaker, and look, Mertz wasn't good. No, Mer- Mertz was and, Mertz was not good. And, and but, the fumbles. What is that? No, Penn State's got a good defense. Yes, they do. Um, so I want to kind of slow down a little bit mm-hmm. on um, on Wisconsin. Yeah, it's going to be. I mean, that's what that circle the game, mm-hmm. circle the game. That's what it's going to come down to, as, as we as we thought. Who else? I mean, Ibrahim being out for the year right. now with Minnesota, their chances are completely in the crapper. That is over for them, unfortunately, because Tanner Morgan is a terrific quarterback. Um, Nebraska's back. They beat Fordham. Yeah, and it's so convincingly. Now they get Buffalo this week, right? Yeah, yeah they get yeah. Buffalo this week. So we'll see. Illinois, like we. We made a case that they could. We didn't say unequivocally they're going uh-huh. to be. But, but I said right away, watch out for the game this week. Huge did, letdown I spot. I wasn't buying it. No. I wasn't buying that at all. I thought they'd take care of business, uh, but they didn't. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's those two schools yet again, right? It's Iowa and it's Wisconsin, and whoever wins the game is uh, ticketed for Indianapolis in all likelihood. Hawks' defense was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. It was better than, uh, better than I think, even uh, as advertised. Uh, they, they surpassed my expectations. Logan Lee, I thought, gave him some good minutes he inside. Did. Yep. Wagner uh, moving inside. The depth inside. was there. They played a lot more yes. guys. The, uh, the little defensive tackle, that redshirt freshman, the, uh, the walk-on kid, he was out there a couple of times. They're not going to be able to get to the court. There's no Epinesa. There's no, no Anthony Nelson. There's right. not a... A rush guy. Oh, those guys are in the pros. Right. Joe Evans, he's got limitations. Right. He, you know what? He didn't play. He wasn't on the field very much. He didn't. I, I think I saw the snap, call for, snap count from PFF. Yeah. I think it was like 15, something like that. A lot lower than I anticipated for I him. But they, they played guys. Mm-hmm. And that depth and, and their ability there. But when you have a linebacking group with the speed that they have, when you have Dane Belton, what you do with him as the cash position, mm-hmm. you can generate pass rush doing some different things. And Phil Parker... You know, everybody just thinks, well, it went, when Phil took over the job, it was just going to be another Parker defense. 
Phil does things coach. a lot differently than yeah. Norm. And though he doesn't dial it up a ton, right. we're not talking about Monty Kiffin out there in terms of blitz packages and things like that. He'll dial up some things there and, and get pressure when needed. So I'm not overly concerned. That is the one thing you'd say. They don't have, have a great pass rush. But overall, this defense, the number continues. 20, it's incredible. The 20, streak. 25 streak games. Something like that. Where yeah. they've given up 24 yeah. points or less. Right. And I, and I, I mean... If there was such a prop out there, I would be uh, playing it this weekend. I just don't know how Iowa State's going to score. Yeah. I mean, how many points are they going to have to score to win the football game? 24? 21? 20. 20? 20 at minimum. Can they score 20 against that defense? I need a trick play. Special Man, teams. I don't see it. And I think the special teams advantage is significantly advantage Iowa. So, yeah. Are they going to be – could they get three drives where it's eight plays, 80 yards – I don't see it against that defense. I don't either. If, if that's the magic number, two touchdowns and a field goal, three long drives, I don't see it. Well, look, we both picked Iowa State to win the football game mm-hmm. uh, before the season in our picks. I'm wrong. I, I, wish, I wish we were doing it now. I mean, I don't know how you can look. You can, you can watch the UNI game and watch the Indiana game and come away thinking that um, you know, Iowa State's got them right where they want them. I just don't see it. Because you know, we, Iowa State's got a really good defense. What's the total? 46. Do you bet it now? Because I think that sucker's going to drop throughout the week. I love the under. That's what I mean. I I blindly like the under even before I saw what the number was. This one, I think, is destined for 19-13, Just low-scoring slugfest, field position, that kind of game. Tory Taylor, Taylor had a couple of punts that we just missed, too. Being absolute beauties. He was... Really, really uh, Charlie Jones got hurt. What anything yes. on him? By the way, he was short on the fourth down. Yes, and he the, was. And how and they did, didn't even look at it. Why don't you challenge that? It's just ridiculous. I'm glad they didn't. Don't <laughs> get me wrong. Sure, but you caught a Braycock fans. Yes. So next, uh, you know, when it happens to you next week or the week after that, right. you got one in the bank. Yes. Where? Uh, no, I don't. Know, no, that won't come up on the message boards no, on no, Twitter no, though. No. But how could you? I mean, that didn't even go up to the booth. Keep short by yard. I didn't get it at all. Now, right, it was the the fact that it was in front of the Iowa bench probably mm-hmm. helped a little bit. Well, and the other thing is they didn't even hustle. Iowa didn't hustle the line afterwards either. They're standing around. Peters is changing the play. Snap the ball. Right. And then no whistle comes. It's <laughs> even close. I'm absolutely baffled. Uh, by so that, that was that the only injury? I think so, yeah. I can't is there think one of... maybe one minor one? Charlie Jones was the one. Right. Well, Linderbaum, we saw him on the bike, mm-hmm. and we saw him get back in the football game. Anyways, uh, we will talk uh, on the other side of this break. We're live at Principal Park, Life Sir Blood Center. Uh, their blood drive is going on today. There's no appointments down here. We filled it up. Um, and thank you again for your support for coming out here. But there is um, appointments available at their downtown East Locus in the East Village. Uh, if you're so inclined, they will take appointments. Uh, you can walk in. Walk in appointments until 2 o'clock today, 431 East Locus Street in Des Moines. Miller and Condon, we're live on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. More on Iowa State next with Michael Swain. More on Iowa 1045 with John Miller, HawkeyePodcast.com. We're here until noon. Uh, we'll be back at Principal Park on 1460. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460, KXNO and 106.3 FM. I'm Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We're live at Principal Park, the Life Serve Blood Center 
Uh, a blood raising drive is on today, and it, uh, it's full down here, but there are appointments available, walk-ins, 431 East Locust. That's where their downtown office is located, uh, 431 East Locust in Des Moines. They will take appointments up until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, as the blood drive continues, let's get Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Uh, Michael, thanks for coming on. I know we got a busy next couple of hours, so appreciate you finding 10 minutes or so for us here. How are you, Michael Swain? I'm doing well. Yeah, it's going to be a busy week, but, you know, can't complain. First Cyhawk week in, what, two years? So should be a lot of fun. No, indeed it will be. So let's get to uh, Charlie Kohler, first of all. I, I know that uh, Campbell, uh, and you were listening to it, as I saw some of your tweets last night on his coach's show, he said that uh, Kohler practiced today, and they hope that they'll have some news. He said great news toward the end of the week. So if, if great news uh, for Cyclone fans, would he, it would be that he is going to play. What are you hearing about Kohler? What, did, what do you think the chances are he's available on Saturday? I think really high. Um, I would... You know, I'm not sure I would give the specific percentage, but looking at what kind of the warm-ups looked like last week for Iowa State, you know, Kohler didn't go through some of like the preliminary stuff with the team and the tight ends, but then when it came time for everyone to do kind of the uniform warm-ups before everyone runs out of the tunnel, he was out there. He was warming up, and he didn't look super impaired. Um, his right ankle was in a big brace, but by all accounts, he was close to being able to play on Saturday. So you take that into account if he's able to have a, a good week of practice where maybe he's able to practice a couple of days, you know, I think there's a, a really good chance he's able to at least play some, you know, then it's kind of just a question of what level of Charlie Kohler are you getting? And I, I think any, just having him on the field would help because he's just another body. He's someone that the defense has to account for and someone that Brock Purdy's going to look for regardless. But um, I would say that his chances are pretty high applying. So, I know this is complete guesswork. You're not going to get anything real from Matt Campbell about it. But in terms of that, all right, you saw the brace on the ankle. High ankle sprain, I think, is a pretty good kind of reasonable assumption of what that injury is, though it's just being called lower body. In terms of him out there, do you anticipate he's going to be a full go, that he's going to say 80% of the snaps and that he's going to be at least close to 100%? Or do you still think that part of it would be a stretch? I think it, saying it'd be 100% might be a stretch. I mean, even pushing maybe 80%, it's just hard to know without knowing maybe the specification of the injury and the exact timeline of when it happened. You know, when we talked to Matt Campbell uh, last Tuesday, um, he had kind of said that, um, or sorry, post game, I should say, he said Kolar injured it early the week before. So it would be like two weeks or something like that since the injury happened, if my timeline's correct. So it's kind of hard to maybe project the overall kind of where he's at in terms of the recovery process. But I think you're going to see one of those things where you put Cole out there, you see how he is early in the game, and then you can kind of manage his reps and the snap count that he has from there, just kind of based on how he feels kind of early in the game. Uh, the Heisman contender in the backfield, Brees Hall, did not look like the Brees Hall that we saw last year. Now, Campbell last night on his coach's show, he never does, does this. I, I, it struck me as odd that he uh, was forthcoming when he said that Brees Hall is a little bit banged up. Uh, what, what, what did you see when you watched Brees Hall play? Did you, did you see a guy that, I mean, he, he seemed, he's like he runs tentatively. He waits for his hole to develop. He's a patient running back. But I thought he was more tentative uh, against you and I than I remember him last year. What did you see when you watched Brees Hall? Yeah, I think I would agree with that. I think that when, you, when fans have watched Brees Hall in the past, he's someone that you know, relies on his vision and is really good at making swift cuts to kind of the backside of the play, to holes that are opening up. And what I noticed on Saturday was it seems like he was running very linearly, which isn't what Brees Hall does. Brees Hall is not a kind of a one-cut-and-go type of runner. 
he's very much a spot the hole, find the hole, hit the hole, and then go run over guys in the second level. So I think he didn't look like himself. And for Campbell to put that out there, I think it would make a lot of sense why he looked like he did on Saturday because he certainly didn't look like he did towards the end of last season. I mean, he rushed for the least amount of yards he had since the bowl game against Notre Dame in 2019. Like, he just wasn't necessarily a factor. Now, I would also say that I don't think necessarily maybe the blocking up front was to the level that we've seen it at times last season. Um, So I think maybe those two things combined really contributed to Iowa State really struggling to run the ball against you and I. Um, And I think that if you're looking for this week, like the offensive line, of course, is going to have to play better. But I think if you're going to watch Brees Hall, see how he is just cutting. If he's going to be, you know, one cut and go, or if he's going to be trying to shift around and find holes and be patient, because when it's the latter, that's when he's really special. Wide receiver group, Xavier Hutchinson, we know he's good, but after that, Tariq Milton still trying to work his way back into you know what we saw a couple of years ago when he was completely healthy. That wide receiver crew, who do you expect to step up and skates? Another mistake out of him, that fumble early in the football game. Boy, it just feels like always one step forward, one step back with skates when he gets it up playing time. Yeah, I don't know what to make of that fumble that came on early in the game. I'm not sure if that was actually like his fault with the fumble, but I would agree that those playmakers were yeah. not up to kind of the standard you'd expect, I think, against a, a Northern Iowa team. You know, Xavier Hutchinson, I thought, had a really good game, but yeah, I would agree that Skates did not have his best game. That Tariq Milton wasn't necessarily a huge factor. Um, I think it's just more maybe a question of, not necessarily saying Iowa State went purely vanilla and didn't do anything creative, but I think maybe it was not necessarily looking to break out a ton of big plays through the air. I think you saw Iowa State early in the game look to pass the ball a little bit. When that didn't work, um, I think Matt Campbell even said it last night, they kind of just decided to shut up shop and really just try and go win the game, which is why you saw Iowa State have a 14-play drive, a 10-play drive, and then another uh, like 12-play drive in addition to that. So I think maybe the game plan may have altered and the coaching staff maybe pivoted a little bit to going away from some of those passing plays. But I think for this week, the guy I'll be watching for, I think, is Treek Milton because I think against the Iowa secondary, I think you're looking at him being maybe the third receiver out there you know, if you account for, you know, Hutchinson and Skates or whoever it is at that second Z spot. So I'll be looking for Tariq Milton. I think this could be one of those games where, you know, for him personally, he's talked a lot about his own mental improvement. Um, and I think that for him, maybe getting the chance to right the wrongs that kind of happened in 2019, it's a really big opportunity for him, I think, to kind of correct kind of the one mistake that he had in that game. Yeah, no doubt. I think points are going to be a premium on, on Saturday afternoon. I think see this mm-hmm. now. Uh, as a low-scoring football game, the way I watched Iowa State's offense struggle, as good as Iowa's defense looked in the football game, Iowa State's defense was good as well. Uh, Jake Hummel, that's the best I've ever seen him play. You know, we Mike Rose gets all the accolades. Ryan Vance is a nice player. Jake Hummel seems to be that, I don't know, that lunch pill type of guy. Boy, he was good this weekend, Mike. Oh, yeah, 100%. We do a, a, a column on Sundays, kind of a who stood out and who didn't, and Jake Hummel is one of the guys I wrote that stood out because – I thought that, you know, you looked at Mike Rose, he missed a couple tackles, he missed a tackle on that touchdown pass, but, you know, Jake Hummel is just rock solid. I thought he did a really good job against McIlvain. He wasn't necessarily a spy, but it seemed like he had his eyes on McIlvain a lot, and there were a lot of times that felt like that he did a really good job of engaging with an offensive lineman and then kind of being able to shed and go after him. So I thought he was really solid against the run, really solid against the pass as well. I think he's someone that, if you're looking kind of at those trio of linebackers, like he is really kind of Mr. Consistency. You know, Mike Rose is extremely talented at Ryan Vance is just a, a like you mentioned, like a lunch pail type of guy. But I think Jake Pummel is another one of those guys that's just super consistent week in, week out, and just someone that I think the coaching staff can really, really rely on. 
Will McDonald, uh, in there early, he was getting to the backfield right away. You and I made some adjustments and didn't see a whole lot of Will McDonald making plays after that. And I don't know, it was a big offseason question about him. Can he be now a three-down player? What did you see from Will McDonald? Yeah, I thought it was an interesting game for McDonald because I thought Iowa State did some – they moved him around a little bit. And you mentioned kind of the offseason stuff there. You know, Matt Campbell said that he was at – he weighed 247 pounds going into the UNI game, which is notable because, um, of course, he weighed 230 last season. But I thought, you know, after that first sack that he had, which actually came when I rewatched the game, it came because the right tackle didn't actually move. Like, it didn't seem like he knew the snap count. Um, so that kind of came off a, a buzz. Yeah. Um, but after that, you know, you and I sent two guys to him, and then they had the running back chip him on occasion as well. So I think you're going to see that a lot for Will McDonald this season. Defenses are going, or offenses, I should say, are going to really hone in on him and double-team him and make sure that he's not the one that ends up wrecking the game plan. So I think for McDonald now, it's just a question of now you know what it feels like to get double-teamed like Jaquan Bailey did last year. Now it's just a question of can you go and make plays off of that because the elite you know, rushers in college football are the ones that are able to do it against double teams and do it when kind of the numbers are against them. So I think that's another thing I'll kind of be watching early on in the game is how is Iowa trying to negate Will McDonald? Is Will McDonald able to make an impact? Michael Swain, 24-7 Sports Cyclone Alert.com. Uh, Michael, thanks for doing this for us. Know you got a busy day. We'll read all your stuff, the recap of the uh, press conference, the players that you guys get uh, at uh, Cyclone Alert, 24-7 Sports. Michael Swain. Michael, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Yeah, awesome. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. Good to talk to you, Michael Swain, uh, on Iowa State. We'll take a time out. We'll come back. John Miller will join us, HawkeyePodcast.com. What did John see when he watched the game back? Uh, we'll find out next when we take you, uh, when we come back. We're live at Principal Park on 1460, KXNO and 102.3. Podcasts all in one. Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460, KXNO and 106.3 FM. Hi, Miller Condon. Welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. We take you until noon. There's some baseball to kick off hour number two. Uh, look forward to that. Then Bama, Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football. Just one more thing on Iowa State. Not mm-hmm. the game on the field. The signal crapped out on oh. ESPN+. Plus. I was listening the on the final. radio. Where are you? You're yeah. lucky. Um, can't have that. If that's where the Big 12 media rights are headed, sure. I keep hearing about Amazon. I hear it's going to be online. And you've got a potential game-winning drive, and all of a sudden, technical difficulties can't happen. That was a bad, bad look on ESPN+. Let's talk Hawks. John Miller, HawkeyePodcast.com. John, Trent, and Ken, thanks for coming on, John Miller. How are you? Doing good, guys. How are you? Doing fine. Appreciate this. Well, John, I know that you spent a significant amount of uh, your uh, Monday evening watching uh, the the game back again. Uh, Trent and I both thought we're incredibly impressed by the defense. The offense got some work to do Uh, defensively, though, as good as advertised for the Hawks. What did you see, John? Yeah, the, the defense is really what I was even more impressed by on the second watch. I was impressed watching it live. I felt like the defensive line uh, did a really good job of maintaining uh, gap integrity and allowing the linebackers to be linebackers, to basically run free. And it looked like that on the first watch of watching it live. But when I watched it again, that defensive line really did a fantastic job. 
they actually got more pressure on Michael Penix than you would think because the sack numbers were low, but pressure isn't always about sacks, especially with so many offenses these days that they're trying to get the ball out in two seconds. I will be playing one of those offenses this coming week. So you're not going to see these monster sack totals, but you want to see enough harassing pressure. And Iowa got that more than I realized after I watched it the second time. And the back seven were phenomenal. Uh, so really all the defensive line needs to do for Iowa, and we said this before the year began, is maintain gap integrity and allow the linebackers to do their thing and not you know get covered up with running backs and the like because the back seven's good. So I feel even better about the defense. Actually, I feel a lot better about the defense than I did before the season. Over on offense, um, the offensive line looked like a group that had a lot of young players in it. Uh, I thought Mason Richmond really shined at times, picking up twists uh, like a veteran. A few whiffs here and there, but that's to be expected. I thought the right side of the line didn't have their best day, but Indiana was at a point, Iowa up about 21-3 or whatever that was, certainly once it got to 28th grade. Indiana was at a point where they knew Iowa was just going to run and bleed the clock the rest of the day. So Iowa's running game in the second half, I'm not really too worried about that. They've got, they still have a ways to go on the offensive line. Not sure they're going to get all the way by next week, but all in all, I was fairly, in, I was, I was impressed with that outcome. I, I did not see that coming. And that was the game that I would needed most of these first two. John, as I went back no and doubt. watched it again over the weekend after being in Kinnick Stadium, one thing I walked away feeling okay about Petrus watching it again. I was not as okay after watching it a second time. Your takeaway from the Hawkeye quarterback after a couple of viewings now. So I actually felt the opposite. Um, I wasn't too worked up about him. And, and maybe, Trent, it all comes down to expectations. What I wanted to see out of Petrus was a guy that wasn't a head case spaz like he was much of the time last year. And, and again, he, he was a, a first-year starter didn't have all the prep time that his predecessors had in their first year. So I'm not like, you know, coming down on him and calling names at him, but he was just out of control or he didn't play within himself for much of the season last year. I saw a guy that played within himself a lot more in this game than he did last year. Um, I saw a guy that Iowa had a, uh, you know, a second long uh, on about their 40, uh, 35, and he threw a dart to a receiver who dropped it at the 50-yard line in the first half. That would have been a first down, but it was a flat-out drop. The drive would have continued. They probably would have got points. And then I saw another drive early in the second half where uh, another first down would have been for Iowa at the uh, Indiana 35-yard line. New set of downs. Didn't happen. In both those cases, drop passes led to an Iowa punt, which probably took points off the board. It's not to say that Petrus wasn't without his own missteps or misthrows. Obviously, the, the mm-hmm. glaring one to Tracy on the right side where he did not see it, and he rushed everything. So he's still not going to be beyond the, the excitable boy syndrome that he had last year. But I saw strides in that. But then again, maybe my expectations for Petrus is just to get to be like a Wisconsin game-managing quarterback and do no harm. John, of the Iowa receivers, uh, who do you think's got the best chance to step up? Because I see, you know, quite honestly, a pretty pedestrian group of, of wide receivers when I watch the Hawks. Who do you think's got the chance? Whose ceiling hasn't been reached yet? 
Well, it's it's difficult to say anything about Arlen Bruce or Keegan Johnson just because they haven't been in there. I, I think Charlie Miller seems like a he just he just has that it that's hard to to describe and define. I mean, we all know what Regani is. I, I think they do need to get the ball more to Tyrone Tracy because he has a dynamic skill set. But I can I I think I'll just say it. I agree with you. The the collection that we have thus far that we've seen is is okay. It's probably more representative of Iowa wide receiver rooms in in the fair and so it's still probably one of the better ones, but that means that you know that that's a backhanded compliment because the wide receiver room has been the weak spot uh, of Ferentz era teams. So that's a really good question. I don't know, but they can't just live on on tight ends all the time. Right. So it's a ho-hum 28-point win against a top-20 team. But as you know, John, what's happening here is people are already turning their attention forward. Ken doesn't think that Iowa State can score the overreactions of Week 1. But with the Hawkeye fandom, John, you know that this one, from a Hawkeye perspective, especially a week where Iowa State doesn't look very good, doesn't mean this is going to be easy for the Hawkeyes in Week 2. Get us ready for Cyhawk. Yeah, I'm thinking of Lucy pulling the football away and me as Charlie Brown uh-huh. one too many times. And whether it's Northern Iowa, whether it's Illinois State, we've all been there. You get that overexcitement. The old Z used to get that quiet confidence after Iowa State would, would scuffle against somebody. I'm not, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Week one is week one. There's a reason why Iowa doesn't play ranked opponents in week one it's because they're typically not ready for it um they're a developmental program I, you know most program the old cachet you make your most progress week one to week two whatever may not be 100 percent true all the time but it's true enough that it's a cliche so I, I think that i we know that iowa state is a very veteran team we saw iowa state enough last year to know they're really good and they have most of the same cast of characters back this year so I'm not going to sit here and think, oh, gosh, Iowa State, they, they, they scuffed it up against UNI, and Iowa looked better. Iowa had, you know, Iowa only averaged, you know, or they, they only had just over 300 yards of offense, 303. It's, it's not like Iowa's offense arrived either. So I think my biggest concern, Iowa's inexperienced offensive line and Spencer Petras. Petras mm-hmm. is going to play in an environment unlike he's ever played in, played in, in his life. He's never started a true road game with the crowd, ever. Um, the biggest crowd that he's ever played in front of was in high school in California. And he's going into what will be potentially the most hostile environment he will face in his career. And I know that they're going to Happy Valley probably someday or maybe go to Ohio State when he's there. But Iowa State, for this year, when their future athletic survivability is in question, in the year where they have the best team that they've ever had coming back and they were ranked preseason top 10 and just, oh, yeah, by the way, it's the Seahawks game and game day's there, this is going to be insane. And I really am concerned about Petrus chilling out, playing within himself. And, uh, I, 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 you know, I, I think if you made me bet it, which I won't, I think Iowa State wins the game. But like I said earlier, mm. uh, with, a, with a straight face and not trying to uh, make excuses, The Indiana game was so much more important than this game, especially considering that Wisconsin and Northwestern both lost. Um, I I was hoping all offseason that Iowa could be one and one 
uh, coming out of these two, and I wanted the Indiana game because it was a Big Ten game. And if Iowa wins this game, holy cow, that, that would be great. I don't think that they will. Of course they can, but I wouldn't bet it. Mm. John, uh, ten seconds, literally, uh, score wise. What What do you think? Is this a Is this a seventeen fourteen type of game, John? I, I just I see this as a low scoring football game. I know I said Iowa State. I don't see how they're going to score. I mean, they're going to score. I just don't think they're going to score enough. Uh, and Iowa, I don't think they're going to do a lot of damage on the scoreboard. This is a low scoring football game. Do you see it differently? No, twenty four twenty one, twenty four seventeen. Of course, uh, you know nobody gets over okay. twenty five on the Hawks. So that, that's kind of what I'm thinking. <laughs> Thank you, John Miller. HawkeyePodcast.com. HawkeyePodcast.com for John, Mark Moorhouse, the whole team over there. John, thank you. We'll talk to you in the weeks ahead. Appreciate it. Take care. Bye-bye. Good to talk to you. John Miller, uh, HawkeyePodcast.com. Hour two coming up. We will talk baseball. Matt Snyder, CBSSports.com. We'll go around MLB for a few minutes. Bama Trent and I will overreact to what we saw in college football this weekend. Boy, it was great. It was so much fun. Well, even back to Thursday night, ending on a Monday night. So much fun. So glad it's How back. about Sunday? You know what? That was a pretty good football game. That was really game. fun. How about Mackenzie Miller? Story of the weekend. Miller and Condon, 1460 kicks, you know, 106.3 FM.